You look suspiciously tanned. What have you been up to? Oh, just interviewing people, Marty Orr and Gina Husting and Boise. That, that's Idaho, right? Sure is, and Lee Basham. Who's in Texas, if my sources are correct. They are. Hold on. You have sources checking up on Lee's whereabouts? It's a material. So, you've been gallivanting, have you? And in the lockdown. No, 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 no. It was all done over Zoom. Then why the remarkably windswept, sunburnt face then? Answer me that. Pies. Pies? Yes, pies. Notably a very sticky experiment in recreating a pie from the service station. Turns out getting a pie to that weird, just out of the warmer feel is a lot harder and a lot messier than you might think. Pies. Yes, as I said, pies. Well, the pie code requires that I don't ask any more questions, but if I find you've even stepped foot outside your bubble, there will be consequences. Such as? Well, no more pies. Forever! The podcast's Guide to the Conspiracy has the following to say about pies in Aotearoa, New Zealand. They are the most important foodstuff ever invented. Although the origin of the meat pie is still shrouded in mystery, the classless nature of such pies is extraordinary. Whether you are rich or poor, Maori or Pakeha, you do not just eat pies, you love them. And because the pie is effectively a dish that cannot be made hot cuisine, the pie acts as a way to bring the lower, middle, and upper classes together. Or at least, it should. Unfortunately, it turns out that class divisions cannot be solved by meat wrapped in pastry alone. Still, it makes New Zealanders feel superior to their Australian neighbours, who have much lower standards when it comes to pies. Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, or as I like to call it, the only reason I have for trimming my beard. Um, I, of course, am Josh Addison, sitting in Auckland, New Zealand. They, of course, Dr. M. Rx Dentith, sitting also in Auckland, New Zealand, but in quite a different part of it, because we're still in lockdown. And we are social distancing like we've never social distanced Mm. before. Or another way of putting it, we're social distancing exactly the same way we have before for the last three or four weeks. But that's okay. Woe to broke the illusion. Woe to broke Mm. the illusion. I have no idea what my mouth words say. Uh, that's okay. The connection just went wonky when you said it, so it's all it's it's it, it, it didn't make anything any worse than it already was. Um, so I guess because because COVID nineteen is the only thing anyone can talk about at the moment. Uh, if if you're not listening from New Zealand, uh, the announcement at the start of this week is that starting next Tuesday, New Zealand is moving to level three lockdown, down from level four, which for us doesn't mean a lot. It's more, more a bunch more businesses can go back to work, but they're still, if you can work from home, work from home. Schools are opening, but if you can keep your children at home, keep them at home. So for us, probably not going to feel particularly different, but at least the country is starting to, to get back on its feet again. I mean, you seem very optimistic about this. I think that 
the move to level three is going to bring a resurgence of COVID-19 because every single person I follow on Twitter and on Facebook is talking about how they're going to a midnight KFC or McDonald's self-service line, at which point the virus is going to spread like nothing else on earth. Well, yes, we may we may in the end all be undone by fast food. Yes, that's one of the things. Restaurants can open provided they can offer a sort of contactless delivery service or or a drive-through option. So everybody's like, I haven't eaten McDonald's slash Wendy's slash Burger King slash KFC for the last month. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Um, I, I personally plan to wait a few days and then go and infect myself at a drive-thru. Given there are so few vegan options out there, I'll be waiting forever. Yes. Anyway, um, as, as is becoming something of a tradition now, we've got another new patron this week. We do, and they're the mysterious M, which I kind of feel is... I thought you had the monopoly on, on that, yeah. ...is really treading on my toes there. So you watch out, you just... M. If that's your real name, mm. actually, it's even worse. Their mm. longer name is very similar to my other old name, so it's just—it's mm. very confusing. Frankly, frankly, I think there's something deeply wrong with the universe. Mm. Mm. Which uh, is, which brings us quite nicely to something which is deeply wrong with Australia: the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Centre, which we failed to note last week mm. because we weren't even aware of it. Yes, but it turns out. I, I, I assume the irony was commented on at, at the time and continues to be so. Well, no, it, so it's named after he died. Right. Yeah. So it was a swimming centre mm. that's existed since, I believe, the late 1920s, early 1930s. And after Harold Holt died, it then became the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Centre. So it wasn't a, it was a swimming centre and then he died. It was he died and then they named the swimming centre after him, which just seems, mm. in my mind, icky, insulting, and so very Australian. Yeah, I mean, I mean yes. No, would naming... you send your children to be taught how to swim at the Harold Holt Memorial Swimming Centre? Well, I mean, yes. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't send your children to learn to swim at a center named after someone who died of drowning while swimming in the sea. It is not the appropriate name for a swimming center. I, I'm kind of in two minds because he, yes, he did. I mean, he, he quite literally died doing what he loved. He was famous for, for enjoying swimming. Theories. If you don't accept the conspiracy theories, yes. So, I mean, yeah, yes, he, it, is, it is the way he died, but it's also the way he lived. Kind of. Okay, you've got me there. Yeah. They've named yes, him no, I, after I, the I thing see he the, enjoyed yeah. doing so much, it killed him. Yeah, yes. No, yes, I, I, I do see the, um, the slight ickiness there, but yeah. Um, now, now, we're, we're, we're going back to another, another staple of this podcast that we haven't done in a while. You've gone and recorded yourself an interview with some of your contemporaries, your confederates. Confederates, yes, yeah, that's all right. Confederates, it is. Yes, mm. I recorded. Did I say confederates today. or confederates? Because that confederate. Be... Well, okay, all right. So you may have said confederates, but what came across on the call was confederates, and frankly, confederates it should be from now on in. Mm. That's probably closer to the original French or something, anyway. So I'm, I'm going to stick by it, actually. But yeah. So your 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 various uh, partners in what I loosely term crime. Um, have have uh, you 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 and the bunch of them have had a bit of a chin wag this very morning? Indeed, so yes, I had a conversation with Lee Basham, who's in Texas, 
and Matior and Jenna Husting, who are in Boise in Idaho. And we had a discussion that started off as a, a look at COVID-19 conspiracy theories and ended the way this podcast always ends. With the discussion of pop- popular culture. Why are there voices pounding down the hallway? Is your house infested with ghosts? Probably. Uh, or it could be my children. You never know. They do do these things. Your ghost children? Mm, yes. Josh, when did you I, kill I saw, your children? I saw a thing on Twitter the other day, completely sidestepping that question, uh, wanting a, a reporter uh, genuinely wanting to hear from people who are currently forced into quarantine in houses that they genuinely believe are haunted. Yes. Yes, I must admit that when I saw that tweet, I went, that's a really good question. How are the haunted mm. coping with the lockdown? Uh, but I guess we'll never know because neither you nor any of your uh, co 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 interlocutor in, interlocutors that'll do yes uh, live in haunted houses as far as I know. And you, of course, are sidestepping the issue that you killed your children recently and now being haunted mm. by their corpses. So I, I am joined by three esteemed colleagues who are currently in various states of lockdown in the Northern Hemisphere. We've got Marty Orr, Jenna Husting, and Lee Basham. We're all conspiracy theory theorists, and all of our work has been discussed on the podcast in the past. I thought it'd be interesting to talk about how we're dealing with our conspiracy theory theories in the age of COVID-19, especially since, like the authors of the various stories in the Decameron, we're kind of stuck at home thinking about our plight and the civilization we live in and trying to work out what do we do next. Hello, everyone. Greetings. Hello. Hi. So so we've got two people in Boise and one person in Texas. How are things going in your relative locations? We'll start we'll we'll, we'll start with Lee. Um there's no virus and there's uh they do have a curfew. Yeah, yeah, we have a curfew here. Um it's uh from let's see, you can go around from five in the morning until ten o'clock at night. But then everyone's supposed to be back in their little Hidey holes and homes, but where I live, there's no sheriff. <laughs> it just it's it. <laughs> you might see him down the highway once in a while, but um, so people around here do pretty much what they please. They travel when they wish, unless you're going to get on the highway, then you might get sued there. But we're so far back, totally at the end of the road here. That, you know, just my neighbors, three hundred meters that way, five hundred meters the other way. Well, Marty and Jenna are in a slightly more populous location. How are things going in Boise? Um, there, are, there are a few. I think we are what uh, under what they're calling a stay-at-home order. Um, essential services, as described by the governor, are available. I haven't gone uh, farther than I can walk, but there seems, still seems to be a fair amount of traffic from what I can tell. We've actually had people challenging these stay-at-home uh, directives in a, in a number of different ways. Uh, but um, we're, we aren't leaving, and so I guess it's a little bit hard to say what others are doing, but uh, uh, from what I can tell, I can see, I can see the arterial uh, from my house. So uh, it, there's still a fair amount of traffic. And Jenna? Um, yeah, same thing. It seems like uh, we've got some organized resistance uh, to 
staying at home, sheltering in place, and it's uh, and it's organized and it's 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 meant to be political in some really kind of surprising ways. Um, protests, occupying playgrounds, uh, and then when expecting to be arrested, when arrested, setting up a protest against the arrest, stuff like that. Um, a lot of people in Boise are out and about. It's uh, the weather here is beautiful and it's getting warmer. Um, and uh, I think the idea is this doesn't really exist or it's been overhyped and this is unnecessary. So it's uh, odd. And then I've, I've heard some from some friends in uh, places like Florida and Georgia, which are both having similar and probably worse issues um, where there's, there's even less uh, concern about staying home. I think Georgia hasn't been able to slow its spread down at all. It's still on that J curve. Well, so we're discovering that we have a small but litigious sovereign citizen movement here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, really? who have gone to our Supreme Court to sue the Prime Minister for putting everyone into home detention for the last three and a half weeks and arguing that for home detention to work, there must have been a writ of habeas corpus sent to every single citizen in the country. <laughs> and the prime minister is actually acting on orders of our own local version of Bill Gates or George Soros, a man by the name of Stephen Tyndall, who basically runs our equivalent of Kmart. Oh, Now, no one had told me that Stephen Tyndall is the billionaire who funds liberals and the liberal agenda. Otherwise, I would have been asking for money for him for quite some time now. Well, yeah, yeah, you should probably, right? It turns out that the group that are making this claim are related to the group that opposed our recent tranche of gun laws in this country, who tried to argue that your Second Amendment applies to our loose-knit <laughs> constitutional system. Well, obviously it would. I mean, well, we're, of course. When we take you over, so, be sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I see. Right, so actually, so on that, so on, on that notion of you taking us over, this is a, an amusing little, well, amusing or disturbing, depending on how you want to think about it. So one of our corporate CEOs, a man by the name of Rod Jew, jury who runs an organization called Zero, which basically produces accounting software, is trying to persuade the government that we should reach out to 200 billionaires around the world and offer them a bolt hole in this country as long as they commit to living here and also investing 50 billion US dollars in our economy. And this was the man who managed to get Peter Thiel of Palantor citizenship in this uh, country. So uh, yes, there is a distinct possibility that your 1% will come to this country and take over through beneficial oh, investment. Oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, dear. Well, I mean, given we we have closed our borders for the next probably 12 months at this stage, being a billionaire might be the only way to come and visit Hobbiton in this country now. <laughs> I'm sure. So, 
Uh, did any of you hear about in terms of conspiracy theories and uh, and the virus other places? Um, there, there were there were a few stories about um, I think it's a a a, 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 a radio tower, a five G radio tower that somebody burnt. Yeah, somebody burned down. Yes, this has become a very popular sport in the UK for some reason. Yeah. No, I just uh, I don't have the details on it, and I'm wondering if if anybody knows them. What what was what was the logic? What's the story? It's a simple logic, um, which doesn't mean it's logical, and certainly doesn't mean it's factual. But the claim is that five G um, destroys your immune system, especially if you're in close proximity. And because of that, oh. coronavirus is spread much farther. And if we can get rid of the towers, uh, burn them down, and then people will be much safer and they have a much much more likely chance of not getting it or not dying from it. That's what the people were saying. Interesting. I mean, there is also a variant of that, which is coronavirus is in fact the result of the 5G rollout. So there are two yeah. kind of hypotheses. The one which is it weakened our immune system, which is why we're falling ill. And the other one is no, there is no COVID-19. It's simply the effect of 5G radiation in the atmosphere. Burn the towers down and COVID-19 will disappear completely. What I'm wondering is why it's possible to burn one of these towers down. They They seem... Not burning. Pretty indestructible, but right. Well, with enough with, with with enough heat, you can destroy anything. You just need a super soaker full of gasoline, and away you go. Just spray it all the way from the top, from the bottom to the top. Okay. Give it a few more, and then. Okay. <laughs> At least that's how we've been doing it here. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. That's how, that's how it was done in West Texas. Okay. <laughs> But Lee, Lee, <laughs> jet fuel can't melt 5G mast towers. Really? That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah. I just, I've heard that somewhere before. No, no, I completely made that up. It's completely new. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. melting things. Huh. <laughs> See, so it seems we, we are getting a fair number of conspiracy theories about COVID-19, about its its origin so it does turn out that the u.s security apparatus is investigating the possibility that COVID 19 was accidentally leaked from a lab somewhere in wuhan and that the chinese government is covering up its true origin they're not necessarily investigating the claim it was developed as a bioweapon and then of course you've got your 5g conspiracy theories and there's a whole bunch of conspiracy theories about good vibrations and the like is this new or novel, or are we simply seeing the same old thing through the lens of a current crisis, do you think? Well, the idea of a cover-up is absolutely normal and natural, especially in a, in a crisis. So in that sense, it's very continuous with the usual conspiracy theories that we, we analyze. We, I've heard some really strange ones, though. Some really, really strange stuff. It's actually... It's, um, Please, Give us some examples. It's an American virus that was originally designed at Chapel Hill, the university. I believe that's in Chapel Hill is in North Carolina. Or North Carolina. Yeah. yeah, North Carolina. And so then what they did was it was part of this like weapons project with China. And they gave this virus to the Chinese. Mm. And so the Chinese could play around with it and experiment with it. And then 
uh, either it was purposely leaked into the population to do just a sort of test of what a real killer pandemic would look like, which this isn't by comparison to what it might be. And it's actually part of an American Chinese plan to, to release this, track it around the world, and then share our data. So it's sort of like a, a, a 21st century global Tuskegee. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those globalists. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, well. Mm. I mean, this does sound like the plot of a very bad made-for-TV thriller, where the the good the good-hearted scientists came up with a plan, but it all went disastrously wrong when someone leaked the virus That's two true. days too soon. Yep. We shall see. We shall see. Yes. Actually, I was also thinking about uh, movies. A student of mine uh, had just before class uh, about two weeks ago had just seen a movie that I believe is called Epidemic. Marty, have you seen it? No. Uh, or it might be even called Pandemic. It's a documentary from the early okay. 2000s uh, that predicts some of this, that, that you know, makes some moves toward like, this is how it would happen. This is how it could happen. Uh, th- this is why uh, it would be very bad globally. What sort of structures aren't in place to to manage such an outbreak and it's a matter of time yeah please i'll try to look it up link for, for that i'd enjoy it have any of you seen the movie contagion it's a hollow oh a while no. back yes. really yeah. accurate, really credible attempt to project that may be the movie uh, it's a great movie and it's not a documentary it is a drama it's an extremely oh oh then uh, we have lawrence fishburne with a really heavyweight actors i believe it 2007 it was released wow. it's a good movie i recommend it nice i'll look at it, look for it i've received several emails from people claiming that michael Crichton not only predicted this but had inside information about this <laughs> because of the plot wow. of the andromeda well, strain michael everything michael says in his books on an infinite horizon eventually comes true just like alex jones <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the thing eventually does come true. I was told that. <laughs> I mean, it's true because because Alex Jones says a lot of things, some of them are bound to come yeah. true eventually. Yeah. Right. Anyway, I recommend the movie. You'll enjoy it. That's, it's touching and it's got a good plot. That's good to know. Oh, uh, one of them, I'm not sure which of these it is. I'm going to put things in chat. But one of them is called Unseen Enemy, and I think that's the one my student had seen. And she was uh, a little surprised and was getting sort of conspiracy theorist-ish. Yeah, we can Conspiracy theorist, can we say that? About, yeah, uh, about COVID, having watched the movie. Another student, and I'm wondering if uh, any of my uh, Northern Hemisphere friends either you know about this uh, or maybe M you do cuz uh, you may have seen it or read about it apparently and i it's i had a, a, a um someone who i spoke with who who asked me well is this you know what do you say about the the arguments that this isn't really this isn't really that serious i mean we're shutting the economy down and it's not that bad and i said what makes you think it's not that bad this was again about 2 weeks ago 
And she said, so, you know, I've seen pictures of people walking out of the Brooklyn hospitals are showing that there's nobody in these hospitals in New York. There's no problem. They're empty. There's nothing going on and there's no trouble. And I said, where did you see these images? And there was a sort of a well of friend. And I was like, well, could it have been Fox News? You know, that what just make sure you see you look at look at where your news is coming from. But it was an interesting moment to talk about how do you know what's real, what's not, with somebody who what's, what's, are these yeah, are you the are these the photographs of the Jarvis Center in New York City? Wasn't sure. Because it is largely deserted. The they, Jarvis Center in New York City. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's it, well, actually mainstream media has been reporting that. Yeah. But not as uh the non-existence or the massive exaggeration of the virus, but just as, as a success story. But it would be interpreted in your student's way. Right, right. So that things get sort of the story, you know, or the visual of that gets attached to a different storyline that's like there's no virus there and this is all yeah. hyped. Yeah, we we have a version of that locally. We have an opinion piece writer by the name of Mike, Ho- Mike Hoskins, who at this stage, depending on the day of the week either thinks that the government has acted inappropriately because they haven't done enough or inappropriately because they've done their their overreacting but one of his continual attack lines of the government is look there aren't that many people in icu at the moment yes obviously the pandemic isn't that bad and the response is well there aren't that many people in icu because our elimination strategy seems to be working right. if it wasn't working there'd be people in those icu beds but he's taking this evidence that no we've overreacted because look no one's getting sick yeah yeah that, i think that's exactly what's happening here and it's a, a, a sort of a weird logic that i think is underneath a lot of the the stuff that um the organized protests in the U.S. Um, and the push to to stop the the shelter-in-place orders. Would you like to hear another conspiracy theory? I'd love to. Yes. Okay. This one is focusing on this new movement to uh, to uh, bring massive lawsuits against China, that seize their assets throughout the Western world, including the United States, Western Europe, obviously, and then make them pay, cripple their economy for. A decade, literally put them back maybe 20 years. And <laughs> in this way, the Chinese will will be destroyed. It, it's, Cicero had this habit of uh, ending his speeches with Carthage must be destroyed. Delinda is Carthago. Exactly. You, you've got it. So this is, this is what we did. We purposely let the virus in, usually in the form of allowing American citizens from China to return and not properly quarantining them, knowing it would get loose. Now, maybe that would cause, you know, not catastrophic, but terrible damage. And then we can use that to drag China's economy down and retake for America an uncontested place in, in the world order wow. kind of. It's nice. Wow. That's... I mean, I've kind of tried to reformulate it so it doesn't sound completely wacko, but yeah, that's one of the ideas going around right now. Popped up a couple of days ago. And, and, and then what are where are people supposed to find the iPhones? <laughs> well, we're going to make America great again. We're going to build them. Oh, no, but I think I think I think the point is that's yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So the, I'm surely the point is once you've taken over China, you can take over Xinjiang, 
and then you can produce the iPhone to yourself in the new 53rd state of the US, Shenzhen, China. <laughs> I thought we'd do that in Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, no. So, all right. We're so, New Zealand up. wouldn't work because we actually don't have enough natural. Yeah, we we don't have enough natural resources to actually have a high tech uh, sector like that. But Australia, Australia has all the mineral resources you need. So, wow. focus on Australia. The official story is New Zealand does not have the resources you need. So, please don't come and find us. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. So that's another fun one. And uh, it will it just it will be interesting to see how this seize the assets and and make them pay yearly for what is being argued by the states at this time here in the United States was a and they use the word conspiracy a clear conspiracy to hide the virus to lie about its infectability its transmission mechanism person to person and and then to shut the world out. So we couldn't find out how bad it was until it was too late. And for that, there, there's, there's our damage, there's our negligence. Uh, and all of that was a conspiracy. And for that, we will make them pay dearly, right. legally. That's the kind of argument you'll be seeing in court, the kind of arguments being made right now in several state legislatures um, here in the United States. And actually, that's it gives a nice little window into talking about the possibility of a cock-up versus a conspiracy. Because I don't think anyone denies that China probably, well, Beijing probably knew more about what was going on in Wuhan and Hubei than they admitted to, say, back in December or January. And so the question then becomes, is it a case that they were covering up this particular bit of health data or is the nature of the authoritarian state in China, where social media is basically banned, and no one wants to speak out against administrators or people higher up in the chain of right. command, was yeah. that actually hindering information getting to the right sources? So it's a cock-up due to the administrative nature of the way the Chinese government works, or is it both a combination of there was a cock-up and then it became a cover-up as officials went, uh, we can't admit that we failed up the initial reporting. So now we've got to cover up the fact that we knew things before we did and only started revealing information after we knew the crisis was actually already in bed. Yeah, it's both. I think that's the argument they're making. The cover-up was a consequence of what you would say in the Northern Hemisphere of a Chinese screw-up, or as you would say in the South, a cock-up. And, and, and we mean, I want to take this this path right now, but I think um, thinking about rumor and, you know, sort of gossip or rumor as uh, news, you know, a, a attempts at news gathering and news making right now is also really interesting. And I'm thinking about, you know, over the past month, um, information that has that has circulated that turns out not to be true, or that people thought was true and wasn't, the, the CDC's you know the CDC has conflicted with the WHO over and over again, uh, and been behind the curve if 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 we think the WHO is right on a bunch of different stuff, and they've they've made some bad calls, um, and I think that that. Uh, I it, it's interesting to consider at least speculate on how 
how how many people know that, knew that, and and how they're making decisions. Because I hear a lot of people in the U.S. still sort of they're just absolutely if the CDC said it, then that's true. And um, it's not that the CDC was saying things that were absolutely knowably false. It's that with the use of masks, for example, um, the CDC w- was telling Americans not to use masks, that they were useless, no point, right, unless they were N95. Well, but, but then they said we should put on, we should look like bandits. We should put on bandanas around our face. Band- <laughs> Can't be any better. Right. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. And, you know, people of color are like, are you kidding me? Right? Um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, so, yeah. And, I mean, I, I, that was really interesting. There were a series of conversations where, you know, I suggested people could actually wear masks. And there would be this, oh, the CDC says no. And I would say, oh, the WHO says yes. Right? Uh, there, are other, there are other sorts of forms of unclear things uh, I and my housemate have been trying to figure out, you know, exactly what. There have been reports, no, first it was absolutely no, cats, dogs can't get it. Then it was like, oh, wait, a tiger got it. Oh, wait, right? Yeah. And so there are varying degrees of, because inf- the information information where it comes from, how good it is, all of that is is unclear, right? And it's difficult to evaluate truth claims. I mean, it's always a lot easier to evaluate things well after the fact than it is in the midst of a crisis, especially in a situation where there's a lot of information being produced by a lot of different agencies. And such agencies aren't necessarily talking to each other. Correct. So we had a situation here when we went into the level four alert system, which was basically our, our extreme lockdown, where the Ministry of Health was making particular claims and the government official about the lockdown was making claims that weren't contradictory, but were somewhat contrary to the Ministry of Health. And ah. people were going, so... So which one is it? Do we take the government spokesperson at their word, as we do X, or do we take the health ministry at its word, and we do we do X? And then the government went, oh, no, sorry, actually, we're a little confused as to what's going on here at the moment, because we are developing policy on the hoof, and unfortunately, that sometimes means that some people are working with yesterday's memo, ah. but are talking at the podium today. Yikes. Yep, 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 yep. yep. See, the, I, was saying, so I, I was about to make a joke. This is where having Stalin in charge, where Stalin <laughs> makes all the decisions, suddenly makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know. Unified authority. <laughs> Wait, but yeah, also, one man, <laughs> one blame. Can get to him. What do you it's think about the, uh, the communist uh, WHO, World Health Organization theory, which has been well, it's been pushed pretty hard around here. Oh, I don't know it. Oh, well, it's part of that general hatred of the United Nations that characterizes large swaths of American politics. Yeah. Um, the theory is that the director of the World Health Organization, which is part of the United Nations, is um, actually, he's, he's, he's a puppet for the Chinese government. And, and one, one of the reasons this is mm-hmm. is because, in fact, the man is a self-identified communist. And so the thought was that what the World Health Organization was saying for a while was simply what China was feeding it. And, and, and the CDC actually did a much better job. That's right. Because, yeah, 
I did hear that. I, I forgot about that early on. That was something that was, I think, shared mm -hmm. or at least floated across the political spectrum, which made it interesting, right? Because often there's not, but that there were questions about whether the WHO was complicit in Chinese suppression of data or uh, Chinese sort of governmental face saving. No, I, I, if if I remember right, this is perhaps the first uh, non-European WHO director, though. So I. Uh... There is that. Uh, he's he's he is a he is an opposition figure to the there's that to the uh, sort of NATO North Atlantic sensibilities. Right. Um, so I mean, there, like a lot of these things, there's there's some basis that uh, he is he's not. Uh, no. He, he he was not at all the preferred candidate of of many. Right. And of course, it fits in quite nicely with the fact that. When a government thinks that a global body like NATO, the UN, or the WHO is doing excellent work, then we take everything they say as being gospel. But as soon as it goes against, say, some local politicking issue, we suddenly go, well, why would you listen to those particular people? So there's a nice example here in Aotearoa, New, Ze New Zealand. The UN keeps on telling our government that we are not treating our indigenous people correctly, that we should be doing more in the way of reparation and trying to heal the divide in our country. Whenever the UN says that, no matter who is in government, the government goes, oh, the UN should keep their sticky beaks out of our local politics. But as soon as the UN will say something, say, about the handling of the Middle East crisis by actors overseas, our government goes, yep, that's precisely the kind of wisdom that we need to adhere to. It does turn out that these global organizations are very useful when you want to go around doing a little bit of the old whipping. Didn't you once tell me, I believe in 2015, that the Māori, the indigenous people of New Zealand, had... In, in kind of an act of amazing forgiveness given the country to the Europeans that had come in there. So, yeah, so basically this is the, uh, the, the iwi in Auckland basically went, look, you took most of our land and you haven't really given us reparation. But at the same yeah. time, we're going to forgive you for doing that, and we're also not going to charge you rent on the land that we've suddenly got back. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's Which, yeah, was taken to be a, that's really, really kind. And, and Māori went, well, you know, we're at least trying to heal the divide. Come to the table. They, they should have kept the damage deposit, though. If, even if they didn't charge rent, I would have. Oh, believe me, the the way the way that we have modified the waterfront, uh, those the, those bonds would be well wow. exhausted by now. What fun! So the Australians and the New Zealanders they do have they have this they have the same kind of if if only transient loathing for um, international bodies like the United Nations, it, which is very popular here in the United States. I mean, in Australia, it's probably more so because Australian politics resembles American politics a lot more. There's a lot more 
alignment on the right when it comes to politicking in Australia with the right in the US. Aotearoa New Zealand has always kind of prided itself as not being particularly Australian, but it does seem that our at least our political right is beginning to uh, is beginning to sing from the same hymn book, and that's the hymn book which we're seeing in Australia and the UK, because it turns out if you follow the money, everyone is being advised by the same political advisors operating out of Australia. Interesting. There's there's a warranted conspiracy theory theory <laughs> for you. The right is coalescing behind very successful messaging platforms in one policy and then going, how can we make this apply in a country which is relatively similar and get the same results? So eventually this is going to lead us into the conversation of the globalist conspiracy to uh, to conquer all nations and organize them under a sort of Antichrist, like uh, mm. um, director, head of director of the United Nations, oh. and that perhaps this was um, the coronavirus was uh, an attempt to uh, make this happen, mm. and then it backfired against the globalists. That's a theory I wouldn't be at all surprised to hear somebody start peddling. Well, I mean, especially given all of the claims about the building of the temple on the Temple Mount. And the, the, actually the surprising coalition between the religious right and the notion of establishing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. So you can bring about the apocalypse so that Jesus comes back again. I can imagine two versions of that theory, one where the UN is aiding and abetting that, or the other one, which is the UN is being led by, as you say, the Antichrist to stop this momentous event from occurring in our time. And in fact, if, if we're talking about films, there are there's a, a sequence of two films. Uh, one is called Ome The Omega Code. The other one is called The Omega Code Megiddo. And they were both produced by Christian filmmakers back in the late 90s, early 2000s. They both star Michael York as the, as, the, as the Antichrist. And it's all about a Jewish conspiracy to install Michael York as the head of the UN to bring about the apocalypse to stop Jesus from returning for a second time. I love it. Wow. <laughs> That's great. So the first film is it's a bit humdrum, but the second film the second film is actually quite spectacular. And you kind of feel that the second film was given to a director who wanted to make a really big spectacle action film and was then told in the last scene you have to have a Bible quote. <laughs> the same authors that cooked up the um left behind movie series. If if you're reading really it yeah. certainly comes from the that. same and genre. It, it had yeah. a, mm -hmm. a very similar uh, doomsday. Satan comes back in the form of the Antichrist, and then they have this big fight over uh, who's going to rule the world. And, of course, God wins. But it's, uh, it's, it's one of the classic Christian conspiracy theories that they lifted out of the book of Revelations. And it is a conspiracy theory. So it has a supernatural dimension. Right, 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 right. And is also a film starring Nick Cage. <laughs> <I> will. 
Yeah, so there are actually two Left Behind film series, one of which is five films long and is incredibly low budget. And then they decided to try and reboot that with a Nick Cage-led version of the first book. And it's very much a Nick Cage film. It's a very Nick Cage film. Let's see it. Just for fun. Oh, yes, yes. And so I wouldn't recommend it as high art. We actually even wouldn't recommend it as low art. I simply recommend it for if you enjoy Nick Cage, this is a film with Nick Cage in it. Yeah. <laughs> I like Nick Cage. <laughs> oh, I mean, he's, a, he's, he's kind of wonderful, especially when he truly commits to the whole bug nuts crazy Nick Cage portrayal, <laughs> which no one else can do. Nick Cage is kind of the master of spiraling out of control in a scene in a way which is just astounding to Isn't watch. Isn't Nick in Raising Arizona, the Coen brothers, a good movie? That's he is. Yeah. yeah. It's their yeah. best comedy, I think. Yep, no, I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, I don't know about best, but it's 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 amazing. It's it's way up there, yeah. It does it does uh, stand the test of time. Wasn't he in the Big Lebowski? No. No, you're th- no? maybe thinking of John Turturro. I totally am thinking of John Turturro. You're exactly also right. another great actor who's actually in one yes. of my favorite comedies of all time, a film which was meant to be called A Night at the Ballet, because it was very much a Marx Brothers-style comedy, but ended up being called Brain Donors instead. And it's the (laughs) finest modern-day Marx Marx Brothers-style comedy ever made. Wow, Brain Donor? Yeah, Brain Donors, (laughs) plural. Oh, Brain Donors. So John Turturro, Mal Smith, and I can never remember the name of the third guy. And it's it's truly astounding, truly. Nineteen ninety-two. Yep. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. I've never heard of it. It didn't do it, it. It did very well on video. It didn't do particularly well in the cinema. Right. Can any of you grab your phone quickly and uh, help me with this cognitive dissonance I'm having? Could you fact on um, the Big Lebowski and see who the Lebowski was? Because I'm having this feeling it's someone else. But I, I'd love to be corrected. As in the do, as in Jeff Bridges, the dude. That's the guy I'm thinking of. Oh, you so, meant Jeff Bridges. I thought you meant. The, <laughs> yeah, I, know, I thought you right. meant the other. No, not, not the yeah, the dude in the wheelchair, Lebowski. Yeah, the rich Lebowski, as opposed to our Lebowski, the dude. Yeah. Well, it seems that now that we've moved away from talk of conspiracy theories to films we have watched, <laughs> this is probably a, a natural place uh, to bring this particular conversation to an end, but hopefully we'll be doing this again very soon for getting yeah. updates as to what's yes. going on with COVID-19, because who knows what the world will look like in a week's time or two weeks' time. As I was, uh, a friend of mine, well, I made the mistake back in February. A friend of mine sent me a text. Do you think this whole coronavirus thing is going to be a big issue? And I said, no, like SARS, it'll blow over. In a month's time, we won't even be talking about it. My friend keeps on sending me that text back to go, you were wrong. You were wrong. I said, I will never commit to anything ever again. Yeah, right now, I've still got my money on reopening everything in the fall. We'll see. Well, I mean, I, w- I would like to think that's true. But the question is, do you mean your fall or our fall? Because if yeah, it's your right. fall, it's soon. If it's our fall, it's a year away. The fall here. Let's see, the month of, oh, geez. <laughs> when does fall start, Lee? It's kind of October. 
right? Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's because that that that's our spring. Well, it's on to the X Files. Yeah. I'm going to watch some reruns. that's great there you go research work all right well thank you very much and i will talk with you all anon bye-bye guys anon Bye. bye and there you have it your your sultry steamy four-way interview with with respected members of the uh community theory theorist community Conspiracy theory theorist. So, any comments, feedback, or anything you want to add to that conversation, Josh? Not really, to be honest. I, I, it was pleasingly amiable. Nice, nice sort of friends having a chat atmosphere. Um, some of you seem to be more up to the play with with conspiracy theories around COVID nineteen than others, but I don't know if that's just some of you pay more attention to wacky news and some of you focus on other things or not, but it was interesting to see. It, it, it points the, the the swapping of stories and also the, oh, I hadn't heard that one. But no, there we go. That was uh, 43 minutes or something, so it's probably taken up all the time we have for this episode, so let's not dally. But we should, of course, before we go, talk about what our patrons will get to hear in the bonus episode, which we're about to stop and record. What have we got this week? Yes, let's let's de- let's not dally, but dilly mm. on the bonus content that's coming up. So we'll be talking about the grave danger that Kim Jong-un may be suffering. We'll be mentioning ever so briefly those mole children we never discussed a few months ago. We'll then be moving on to a minor COVID-19 story, which claims our PM has got the entire country under an illegal lockdown. And then mentioning the fact that, well, you know, you know that drug that President Trump's been talking about? It's a bit of a bust when it's been tried. And finally, the US appears to be investigating whether COVID-19 was actually started in a lab in China. Mm. So if you want to hear more about that uh, and you're one of our patrons, good news, you're about to. Um, if you'd like to hear more about that and you're not one of our patrons, then you can you can just become one. That would be awesome. Uh, you could do that. It would be. Do that by going to Patreon.com and searching for the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy or by going to conspiracism.podbean.com, the site where this podcast is sort of officially hosted um, and using their patronage system. And that, I believe is all we have to say this week. Indeed. To quote NBC, that's murder she wrote. Mm. But not the murder of my children, which didn't happen because I didn't do it. Allegedly. That's good enough for me. Goodbye. Toodly pip pip. been listening to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy starring josh addison and dr mrx dentit which is written researched, recorded and produced by josh and m you can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its podbean or patreon campaigns and if you need to get in contact with either josh or m you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their twitter accounts mikey fluids and conspiracism
And remember, they're coming to get you, Barbara.